Welcome to the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Rob Warner, and today I'm joined, as always, by site publisher Chris Cartman, as well as reporters Trevor Booth and Jacob Rudner. Fellas, how are we doing today? Doing great, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I uh, was unfortunately out of town for ASU's 34-31 loss at home against Colorado, but you guys were all there, uh, as well as Mason Curtin, our analyst Kevin Stewart, and had some great perspective about the game. I would say ASU fans probably will blame you now that they know that you weren't there because you have been the most ardent believer of, uh, of ASU's team this year with your predictions. So maybe... And my prediction was very wrong this weekend as ASU well, just looked flat and terrible in I mean, their loss. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. You're still riding <laughs> with ASU, right? Are you going to pick ASU this week and put you on the spot? Probably not. Okay. What about I, you guys? I How think guys on are? the road against a good defense after what they showed, I don't know if I will be picking them. It's it's looking bleak. I, I am not trending in the direction of picking ASU this week. So we, we put up a story on ESPN's FPI that Trevor wrote. Uh and it has ASU as a underdog in six of its remaining eight games. What do you think about that, Trevor? It's interesting getting to read through a lot to it. Um, and before the article, you know, it, it could go either way because we talked about how since 2018 ASU's played in 11 one-score games too, and mm-hmm. they've won about half of them. And then for the first uh, or the last two games, the FPI is projected against what how ASU has actually done. So take it with what you will when you put that out there. Right. Yeah, we're going to start this this podcast with some big-picture perspective from ASU losing this game, first game of Pac-12 play. Uh, what did you guys think about the game from being here? Let's start with Jacob and Trevor on that. Uh, just big-picture takeaways from you guys about the game. Um, I, I think that the oh, – well, I'll start with what I observed to be positive. I think that the offense was actually impressive. I think that aside and outside of the interception that Jaden Daniels threw, which – ended up being incredibly costly and and took the Sun Devils out of field goal position. I think that the offense performed to a higher level and a a much better... They looked better than they had at any game and any point so far this year, and that was impressive. So I thought that that was was a a positive. Um, The defense really had a hard time, and and we're going to get into it in a lot more detail and with more specifics in a bit, so I'll save it. But I will say that the defense was significantly worse than it had been in previous right. games and that and that was a surprise and it was interesting Jacob it was a contrast in the last couple of games just because now the offense got going and the defense was kind of on the flip side with how they were giving up the two scores right away ASU's offense did run the ball a little bit better Eno ben- Benjamin averaged 4.2 yards per carry and had two scores in this game Rob Likens actually said yesterday that he thought the Sun Devils were going to run the ball better just because Colorado's defensive line is a little bit more experienced and then one of their best players, Mustafa Johnson, went down in that game. I think the most surprising thing for the defense was how they performed on second down and especially how they defended against Colorado's run game because Mm -hmm. it wasn't the most – they don't necessarily have the most um, dynamic run game in terms of the creativity with what they bring. It's a lot of down-the-middle rushing, and that's what we saw again on Saturday. And they were able to have some success with their their two backs, and that's how they got the first score, and it was able to set them up in a lot of third and short situations. I think Danny Gonzalez said yesterday it was 11 third-down conversions at Colorado had that were within third and three so that was a really interesting part for me as well and, and Chris you said after this game that this was the only real surprise loss ASU has had since Herm Edwards took over as head football coach why did you feel that way well quite honestly just watching Colorado's first three games I thought it was an inferior team to ASU especially defensively um, when you take Mustafa Johnson off the field and also uh 
Mikhail Onu, who's uh, they, Colorado was already playing down one of its top safeties. That was its second probably best safety, its best defensive lineman. And then all across the field, I just saw guys that probably were average to backup type Pac-12 players. So I anticipated ASU would be able to put some points on the board. Obviously, it did, 31. But I, I actually thought that um, it was kind of an average overall offensive performance, just mm-hmm. building off what Trevor said. You know, Benjamin averaging only 4.2 yards per carry against his team, not breaking any run longer than 19 yards. Right. Um, of course, the big thing I did not anticipate whatsoever, and probably f- it was faulty in my analysis uh, before the game and just the scouting report, I knew that Colorado had big play capability with Montez, but you anticipated that that was going to be more to uh, Chanel and Katie Nixon, obviously. Um, and Katie Nixon beat ASU last year for a big play. Chanel had a big game. But I, I hadn't seen the, uh, the as savvy and incorporation of Chanel into the passing game. And then he gets knocked out early with a groin or leg injury of some kind, a muscle probably issue after he was tackled. And Tony Brown's just kind of came out of nowhere, snuck up on me to have nine catches on nine targets for 150 yards and three touchdowns. A few things contributed to this. A, Colorado's offensive line protected and handled ASU's defensive front and pressures much better than I thought. I watched the same Buffalo's team really struggle in that regard in multiple games this year, including against Nebraska, where they were basically just beaten time after time in gaps and chasing defensive right. linemen back to the quarterback. Uh, B, I um, saw in Colorado a, a pretty good matchup for ASU because ASU's defensive backs are athletic, rangy, good coverage-type players and mm-hmm. man. So I didn't think that they would be beaten down the field. Right. right. You put those two things together, and I thought ASU would be able to generate more pressure. I also saw, as a C... Uh, component uh, not great dynamic athleticism from Colorado's running backs coupled with average offensive line play okay so when you put a B and C together I thought that maybe they'd hit ASU on a big play probably not on more than one or two big plays and I didn't think that Colorado would be able to hammer the ball downhill at ASU Colorado ended up having not a lot of success on first down but it ran the ball quite well on second down creating those a lot of short third down opportunities plus the jet motion actions really were successful against ASU which I didn't anticipate now here's what happened Danny Gonzalez everybody knows said after the game he took a lot of the responsibility he didn't have the team prepared they were adjusting on the fly and right. doing some things that right. they weren't as accustomed to Colorado was cut blocking on the front side of its run plays, especially the perimeter ones, like the jet motions I was talking about earlier. And it really bothered ASU's defensive players. What ASU typically does is they run these twist actions that loop the uh, nose tackle around to try to contain with their three-man fronts without gumming, moving up into like a 5-2 look to try to contain some of those perimeter runs. Well, the players weren't comfortable with that, and they were still getting beaten on some of those things. Right. So what ASU did was they started to uh, – and then also they were part of that in the first quarter. They were leaving gaps and getting 
beaten on some of these inside runs that should have been two, three, four yards where they were actually pushing the pile or defensive right. players back for an additional few yards. And they were getting six to eight yards at a pop on a right. lot of those. So ASU decided that it was going to, instead of doing so much of the twist stuff that they normally do, the asymmetric attacks, they, they were straight gap pressuring. Um, and what happened is they, they did have success shutting down a lot of the run plays as a result of that, especially as the game unfolded. Colorado wasn't running the ball successfully. Mm-hmm. And they were changing their alignment somewhat to take away some of the jet motions. Right. But then what happened was they weren't able to get any pass rush. And so Montez is a really good player with the, with the vertical shots. And when you give a guy like that a lot of time and the ability to make adjustments uh, based upon identifying coverages, they're able to work Tony Brown vertically on some stuff. Now, one of the touchdowns that Brown caught, the last one, Jack Jones had a really great rep. He just didn't get a play on the ball at the ball at its, at its arrival in the corner of the end zone. The earlier touchdown that Jack Jones gave up, and ASU considers probably Jack Jones its best pure man cover corner. Not the best cornerback that ASU has, but hey, you go guard that speedy receiver. They probably view him as, as their best guy in that regard, as, as far as the ability to stay in phase. Uh, the first one, he missed a, a bump at the line of scrimmage. And then from there, he was out of phase and he was tra- trailing trying to get in position. He couldn't really get totally back into position, and Tony Brown caught that touchdown. Going back to the, f- the first big one that ASU gave up, that was uh, Montez bleeding out to his right, scrambling when there was nobody immediately open. That's where he's really kind of dangerous. It was a third and medium, I think four yards. Right. And uh, Kobe Williams and Evan Fields are on that side of the field. Kobe Williams comes out of coverage because he's worried about a scramble to the marker, and that allows the open receiver behind him, and Montez lost an easy pitch and catch. So that was a very uncharacteristic mistake. So most important thing from all of this, like kind of distilling it down to its essence, is ASU dealt with some things in this game that it hadn't seen defensively in previous games against Colorado or other opponents, and that threw some of its players for a loop. And they were trying to do other people's jobs. They were in their heads thinking about right. things too much. They were playing a little bit soft in coverage in anticipation of the speed of Colorado's receivers and probably what happened last year against Katie Nixon and Chenault. You know you're calibrating to that. Mm-hmm. And then you give up some underneath completions. Right. And it was the t- totality of all those things that led to a bad defensive first half for at ASU that the Sun Devils couldn't recover from. It's a learning experience. At the same time, it's a a very bad start to the Pac-12. Right. Because that was probably one of ASU's two or three easiest games on its schedule in conference play. And, and if you want to look at some stats about this game, Tony Brown had played in three seasons of college football. He had three touchdowns altogether in those three seasons. He had never had 100 yards receiving in one game. He had 150 against ASU this Hence past weekend. the reason I overlooked him in my scouting report. Yeah, and, and also ASU hadn't allowed more than seven points in a game, let alone half. They allowed 14 points in the first quarter. Herm Edwards said, I turned around to get a cup of water, and they had already scored 14 points. And, and all of this sort of overshadowed Jaden Daniels having a pretty great night 
for Arizona State and the offense seeming to get a few things on track even in this losing effort. Jaden Daniels, 24 of 39 passing for 345 yards, two touchdowns. He did have his first interception of his college career, but it seemed like so much was placed upon his shoulders with the defense really struggling. It was, and Rob Likens gave him a lot of opportunities in this game, Rob. 345 passing yards, that was the third most by a Sun Devil freshman ever. So considering what happened, it was a good outing for him. I think at times... You know, he was able to have success. You used to have the 53-yard touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. He connected with Frank Darby in the fourth quarter. But there were some play-action opportunities in the first half that ASC wasn't able to connect on. I think there was two to Frank Darby. One ended up being a drop or it got knocked out of his hands. And then the other one, he overthrew him. So they were able to let him loose a little bit more this game. And as we talked about earlier in the podcast, this is going to be a game-to-game thing depending on how teams play and how ASU was able to protect Jaden Daniels, whether or not they'll be able to put him in more situations right. like this and drop him back because Rob Likens said he's not going to drop Jaden Daniels back just to drop him back. He wants to make sure he's protected as well. I thought it was a I thought it was a reasonably good performance and, and part of the reason I say reasonably good it was uh, one the interception was was that was a freshman mistake forcing it into that spot there was no room for that ball right there and it was just it was a little bit of an antsy throw. I mean it, it didn't it didn't obviously go his way and then there were a couple other throws throughout the game that Chris, you and I were sitting next to each other in the press box and, and you and I had talked about how that wasn't a great decision here and there and there were throws that, that probably should not have been made. And But other than that, I mean, 345 yards on, on, on 39 attempts, 24 completions, it's it's impressive. Like Trevor said, it's the third most passing yards by an ASU freshman in, in program history, two touchdowns. Um, the connection he has with Brandon Ayuk through four games is really impressive. They've looked very good as a as a, a one-two combo. That it's been it's been really good. Um, the deep ball that he started to kind of uncork in this game was new. They didn't really open up the deeper passing game in the first three games. There were flashes of it, but this was the first game where they were consistently taking shots. And and Rob Likens had talked about how that was something he wanted to start to do more and more of. And I think we started to see that. A little bit more in this game and he did end up connecting on a couple of those the the touchdown to Frank Darby was a deeper ball that was over Darby's shoulder and Rob Likens had talked about how Darby is easily the best deep ball receiver on this team with his ability to both use his hips to bump cornerbacks to be able to create that space to create the over the shoulder opportunity and they were able to connect on that for a touchdown that was a 39 yarder and, and that was where I think I saw the most impressive Stuff from Jaden Daniels is in that deeper ball. So that, that was a big thing that I, I was looking forward to seeing and we got to see. He also he missed, though, on, uh, in, in the first half. He missed mm-hmm. on one that was overthrow. So I, I think that one probably should have been a touchdown that he's going to regret and look back on because there was a couple steps on, on the defensive back. I, just important to, to just, again, remind everybody, we're talking about a true freshman quarterback um, having 345 yards passing with a pretty good completion rate, and and he's th- he's a three level thrower, right? This is somebody who's uh, accurate on the perimeter. He's accurate on the 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 hitch and and uh, slant type quick stuff, and he's been pretty accurate fitting the ball against zones to the boundary and over the middle of the field. That Ricky Pearsall reception uh stands out to me in that regard he's he's had some pinpoint um throws with with some of the pace trajectory the the ball arriving mm-hmm. he missed on a couple throws he was behind a couple guys that the the one big shot opportunity 
was a miss. The interception was a bad one that he'd like to have back. That was a secondary progression read that you can't have in that situation when you're driving right. for it. That's, that's when you have to be the most risk averse because they were going to be in field goal range to take a lead. And uh, he hasn't had throws like that in, in the season. I think maybe one in the first game that he f- was in a similar place on the field that he tried to squeeze between a couple of defen- defenders. And if ASU would have taken the lead, that would have been ASU's first lead of the game. ASU never led in this game. Right. So, um, yeah, but as I said in the post-game show, ASU's putting too much on Jaden Daniels, right? Like, you can't expect or that you're going to need Jaden Daniels to throw for 400 yards or whatever it would have taken for ASU to win this game. And, um, you know, the protection was actually quite good. Building off what you were saying earlier, um, the they went to more five-wide stuff in this game. Right. But that was because they felt no threat from Colorado's pass rush. And especially when you take Mustafa Johnson mm-hmm. off the field, right. they had no ability to really threaten. Daniels was hit a couple times, but he was clean and upright and hanging out in the pocket quite a bit on the night, right? Another really good performance from Donovan West. I thought Cole Cabral was pretty good at center. Some of his snaps were to the left. It's funny because uh, snappers tend to have a tendency of left, right, high, low, whatever it is. And we saw Donovan West high to the right. And now we saw, if you guys watch the our field level highlights by Mason Kern, which were good, a lot of left and to the middle, try, outside the strike zone type throws by uh, uh, snaps by Cole Cabral. So, but I thought the, I thought the performance was good by ASU's offensive line and protections and the run game kind of average. The receivers continue to grow up. We remember there was that big crossing route that went for a good gain by Curley, the Pearsall Kench I mentioned earlier. Uh, ASU's uh, Jordan Porter got out there as a retro freshman coming back from the hamstring. First catch of the season. Started to get some reps. And let's just, let's just frame it up the right way. Last year, ASU at times had five, six freshmen on the field. Most of whom were true freshmen. This year you have at times six, seven freshmen who are out there playing the two receivers, Nolan Matthews. This time on offense though. Yes. Two, yes, two offensive linemen and Jaden Daniels mm-hmm. on the offensive side. So last year we looked at a young building defense still going through some learning curve moments this year, things that they're not used to. By next year they'll be a really seasoned savvy group, maybe even you know by the end of this year. And, of course, they were really great in the first three games, so they're, they're still you know right. very good. The offense is going to continue to get experience, and all these guys are going to get better. Some of the young players have actually been some of their better players. Some of their seniors haven't actually been as good. You look at, like, Steve Miller. I think Alex Osoya hasn't been as good as last year to this point. I think uh, it's been an average at best start to the season for Tommy Hudson. Frank Darby hasn't necessarily expanded his game. Big play threat, right? Brandon Ayuk is is, is their best player other than uh, Jane Daniels. I don't think anybody's surprised by that, uh, except for Eno Benjamin, who's a superstar, who's been bottled up not by his own making. That's just the reality right. of everybody crowding up and then their, their offensive line issues. And we have our member-only podcast that we, we preview ASU's following opponent. That's going to be number 15 Cal this week, the last undefeated team in the Pac-12. Chris, can you just give a tiny little preview of that podcast about the offense specifically of ASU and how they can build on this effort against a pretty good Cal defense? Well, Cal's the highest-ranked uh, 
undefeated team and the, the only undefeated team in the Pac-12. I think they're second in the rankings uh, in the AP, right behind uh, Oregon now. And so is Washington. I'm sorry, is Washington higher than? So Washington is around there also, but um, I don't. The ESPN FPI and some of these other metrics, you know, type rankings. Mm-hmm don't see Cal as being as good as its AP ranking. The ESPN FBI has uh, Cal 38, ASU 40. And this game is kind of a 60-40 game. It, the coaches think that it's going to be probably low scoring. Cal doesn't have as much – Cal isn't as dynamic uh, at wide receiver and some of the skill positions as Colorado, so probably some of the big plays won't be there. Its quarterback doesn't have the big arm but is a great athlete who can do things on the move and is, is, is pretty – uh, tricky in that kind of a way right. we're more likely to see a lower scoring game that's probably another cl- close game overall and and Jaden Daniels um, you know is probably going to have to figure out a way in the fourth quarter to be ASU I mean to be Cal in a uh, in a difficult environment on the road just briefly so the the standings are updated for us it, it, the AP poll has it Pac-12 wise it's Oregon first then Cal, then Washington as far as Pac-12 rankings goes. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Okay, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. Be sure to tune in, though, to our uh, analysis of Cal, Chris's full thoughts on the Cal game uh, ahead of Friday's showdown in Berkeley, California. But right now, for site publisher Chris Cartman and reporters Trevor Booth and Jacob Rudner, I'm your host, Rob Warner, saying so long, and thank you for tuning in.